Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. This podcast is sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS, a 21-day plan that takes you step-by-step through healing and thriving with PCOS. It's all in there waiting for you, beginning with the three keys to living your best life as a PCOS diva. For more details, visit HealingPCOS.com. So I'm not sure if you've heard the statistics that 50 to 80% of women with PCOS are undiagnosed. And the type of PCOS that we're going to be talking about today, I think, probably makes up a large portion of those women, and that's lean PCOS. And lean PCOS is something that I think is the kind of the phenotype that I um, experience. And the, my podcast guest today also experiences lean PCOS, and she wrote a wonderful article um, a while back for PCOS Diva about lean sisters. And... I wanted to have her on the podcast to kind of continue the discussion and um, also to tap into some of her professional background as well. So I want to welcome Dr. Laura Dimler-Radiswan. You're going to have to correct me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Laura is a PhD. She's a developmental psychologist. She's an assistant professor at Regent University, and because of her own experiences with PCOS, she researches how puberty and hormones affect a woman's or a person's behavior. She is not conducting research, or while she's not conducting research or teaching class, you can find her running, doing yoga, baking, or cooking the latest gluten and dairy-free recipes she found, or spending time with her husband and rescue dog lady. So welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you asking me to be here. No, so. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. Um, you know, it's just kind of like two lean, you know, PCOS divas <laughs> just chatting um, for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, and, you know, if you don't, uh, if, you know, if you don't consider yourself sort of a lean um, thin sister, please don't go away. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, valuable information, um, you know, that you'll, you'll learn, um, in the podcast today. But so I, I wanted, um, first of all, I love your, um, you know, your little bio about what you enjoy doing in your spare time. You really sound like a diva. (laughs) So, um, I, I just found, I, you can even ask my husband, I am in such a mood if I don't get my workout in, especially if it's not in the morning. Um, so I, it's become such a routine of mine. Um, but yeah, and I've learned all the different dietary things that work best for my body or, or even just how to give grace when I, um, Mm -hmm. fall victim to that really warm piece of bread that is so inviting. Um, but um, so it's been a, a long process, but I've really enjoyed all the things I've learned about myself, my body, and just nutrition and exercise along the way and hormones. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, you're, from reading your article that you, you submitted to us, I mean, I think you're a little bit like me in, in the fact that, you know, after this, this struggle and journey with PCOS, you can kind of come out the other 
side of it feeling like it was a somewhat of a blessing because it really allowed you to take a look at your life in it with a different lens. Yeah, I think I, I called it a blessing in disguise, but um, it is hard to call it a, a blessing. Um, so it's really that I found uh, a good silver lining. I really did mm-hmm. find a silver lining because I would have never looked at the back of a nutrition label and read all of the ingredients if I wasn't told, hey, you should cut out gluten. Um, look into cutting out dairy or minimizing it as well for PCOS reasons. And I would have never then realized what other chemicals I was putting in my body mm-hmm. um, that can affect the PCOS, mm-hmm. lean or not. Right. Um, and so uh, in that sense, that was really part of that blessing. Part of yeah. that well, yeah. why don't you share your story with us? Um, you know, how, what, what is your PCOS journey? So it started about nine years ago. Um, Well, you know, for a lot of us, it really started in adolescence, but um, about nine years ago is when I was diagnosed. So August of, um, August of 2009. And I, it took about six to eight weeks to actually get a diagnosis after all the blood tests and the poking and prodding. And they realized I didn't have insulin resistance. I've never truly struggled with my weight. Um, I... I, but I've always had a regular menstrual cycles and always had horrible acne. I was on acutine twice, which was the kicker for my doc, my general practitioner to say, that's not right. Um, and doctors just expected, oh, well, your dad had really bad acne, so you just inherited it. Um, but luckily, I had a really good general practitioner who knew something wasn't right. And um, she diagnosed me with PCOS, even though I didn't have any cysts on my ovaries. And really, the presentation was her, I can never say, her um, and acne and irregular menstrual cycles, as well as some um, low progesterone and LH and FSH ratio problems. Okay. So with all of that, she said, okay, even though you don't look like it, I have to diagnose mm-hmm. you. And... Fast forward a few years later, I got in touch with an endocrinologist and then a reproductive endocrinologist because my endocrinologist and general practitioner about a few years later didn't believe I actually had PCOS. I actually got looked up and down multiple times um, and said, you don't have it. You must have something else. So I went to a reproductive endocrinologist who specializes in PCOS, and I will never forget him actually writing down the word lean PCOS um, so I could take it back my general practitioner and my endocrinologist who didn't believe. Um, And from then on out, I kind of went on this journey of who else has this? What other information is there out there? And being in the sciences, I'm lucky to to be able to have access to a lot of research. So research-wise, I was looking into a lot of it because I couldn't find any other woman's story about it, which is how I ended up um, wanting to write that article for PCOS Diva. I wanted to give hope to other women. Um, and so eventually, another few years later, I um, realized there's this thing called charting your cycles and tracking your cycles, and I had no idea, and I got so excited. Um, and I realized that, huh, there's kind of a pattern to my regular cycles, if you if you will. And I realized that something... Something else isn't right. My PMS symptoms aren't normal. I thought they were, but talking to doctors, they're not. And um, luckily, I got hooked up with with a a doctor who specializes in PCOS. 
And she was able to realize that by specifically taking my blood at a certain time in my cycle, I have low progesterone and other hormones. And she was able to find out that my PCOS was specifically, and all my hormone issues were specifically coming from overactive adrenal glands. Mm. And by finding mm. out the root of that and not being on, she took me off birth control, took me off spironolactone, because by this point I met my husband and we wanted to, we knew we wanted to start a family and you can't start a family on either birth control or spironolactone. Um, and metformin didn't work for me. So she and found it, a natural supplement that worked to calm my adrenal glands. So, so what was that supplement? Um, I'm not completely comfortable saying it okay. it's for women that don't have overactive adrenal yeah, glands. And, and, and I also wanted to give a shout out to um, Dr. Fiona McCullough. Um, she's, I think she's the first doctor that I really heard um, describe you know, she describes it as adrenal androgen excess, um, it's exactly. PCOS. Yeah, and, and, I, and I also think that I, I have that, um, like my issues with PCOS are driven from my adrenals as well. And she writes in her book that, um, or I, maybe it was a conversation that I had with her, that it's, um, the, it's more common in sort of the lean population of women with PCOS. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've read that from her work, too. Um, follow her blog, her website, everything. I've read her book. Um, she is so wonderful. Um, I'm still hoping she was closer to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's amazing. And by, by finding a doctor who is willing to get at the root cause of the problem and right. meeting the root, not giving me a Band-Aid solution, I, my husband and I were actually able to conceive um, fairly easily by being able to track the cycles and track when ovulation was. So happy to report that we are expecting a little Yay. bundle of winter. Oh, so, that's wonderful. Now, are, are you um, having any issues like with your progesterone levels? Have you been, had those monitored um, like early in pregnancy? Yes. Yeah, so um, because my progesterone was actually half of what it's supposed to be in the second half of the cycle, um, I've been on progesterone support, and specifically, I want to make it clear, bioidentical progesterone mm -hmm. support, not synthetic progestin. Um, and so Which isn't I, progesterone, just to, exactly. yeah, to be clear. That's yeah. why it's a different mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. um, so we were, I was able to continue that progesterone support, um, and I monitor it with my doctor as well every few weeks so um, just very grateful for that because low progesterone can cause miscarriage so um, we're just very grateful for a doctor who is willing to find and treat the root cause mm -hmm. and other issues so yeah yeah and, and listening to your story and and the doctor that um, kind of didn't believe that you had PCOS you know I'm, I'm listening to your um, your symptoms and you did meet the two out of the three criteria, the Rotterdam criteria. So it sounds like you had the excess androgens um, and you had the irregular menstrual cycle, um, but you did not have the polycystic ovaries and or insulin um, or the is insulin resistance. Yeah. And I think doctors are um, and medical professionals in general are just so used to, I mean, you can't fault what they're taught correct? So mm -hmm. 
Um, they're also just so used to seeing a specific presentation of PCOS that um, other women who present with PCOS that are not exactly that stereotype, unfortunately, get overlooked or misdiagnosed. Yeah. Um, PCOS is already hard to diagnose anyway, since it's a diagnosis of elimination. So, and, and you mentioned having, you know, the, the LH to FSH ratio that was high. And that actually is something that, um, you know, I researched and that lean PCOS women tend to have a higher race ratio than classic PCOS, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting as well. That um, is really yeah, and, and I do, you know, although you did not have insulin resistance issues, um, when a lot of women with lean PCOS do, um, and that's something that, that I um, dealt with, especially um, kind of like that reactive hypoglycemia, mm-hmm. and 50% of women with lean PCOS have that, so what was happening to me is, and, and I had no idea why, why I was so exhausted all the time, but I had these like two little boys, I think at the time they were like one in four. Um, I mean, can imagine how busy and active they are. And, yeah. you know, we would have like your traditional toddler lunch, right? Like I, I wasn't a diva back then. We'd have macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets and pizza or whatever it was. Um yeah, and then like an hour or an hour and a half later, um, after eating, I would be zonked out on the couch um, because my blood sugar, you know, although it was normal when I would have it tested at the doctor's office or my insulin levels tested, it would tank after eating like a high carbohydrate um, lunch. And it wasn't until I used a glucometer that I really understood what was happening. And, and I could actually show that data to my doctor and my doctor understood what was happening as well. Yeah, um, so it's always been normal whenever it's been tested, but I do notice I get very fatigued if I eat um, too many carbs or this or that. And, and what is fascinating, research has shown that women with lean PCOS still have more, even if it's not the level of insulin resistance as classic PCOS, um, a lot of lean PCOS women still present with insulin issues compared to the average woman of the same age and same weight and whatnot. Um, so lean PCOS women are still at risk for insulin issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to put the message out that all lean women uh, don't struggle with that or that I don't struggle with it because um, you s- just having the diagnosis does put you at risk for yeah. I mean, I always, I always thought that it's, you know, we all have some level of insulin um, resistance, whether it's detected or not. And, and I think because we're all bio-individuals, it's all somewhat kind of like unique to, to us. Um, but yeah, but I, and I think that's why it's so important to get in touch with how food makes you feel. Um, and, you know, you've been able to identify kind of what foods make you feel sort of tired after you eat them. Um, and so I think it is important for, for lean PCOS, even though, you know, you may not be looking to lose weight, um, it's important to keep your blood sugar stable and, you know, make sure that you're working out and building lean muscle with strength training, resistance training, because um, we got to improve that insulin delivery to our muscles, right? 
Exactly. So um, I really found, and it, it started off as doctor's orders, and I was actually, um, doctors actually found that I was allergic to wheat anyway, mm -hmm. um, so I really did have to be careful with that. And then I found out that wheat and gluten in general um, is inflammatory. And then mm -hmm. I was also diagnosed with lactose intolerance. So, um, and found out that's also inflammatory and dairy is inflammatory. So um, it, finding out and figuring out how all of those different ingredients affect me, my PCOS symptoms, I quickly can tell. If I cheat at all, my acne comes back with a vengeance and, um, and I still struggle with it just because I found this quote unquote pill that may work for me and calming my adrenals does not mean that uh, my symptoms still aren't there. They're just lessened. Um, but I've definitely realized how food and all the lifestyle uh, changes have really positively affected uh, my PCOS symptoms. And I'm not, not trying to lose weight whatsoever. I'm just trying to, to get in shape, stay in shape, um, and continue to build new muscle to improve any sort of insulin issues I may have. And generally it's just, it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, no, and yeah, and, it, and it's great for stress reduction. I know I, I've gone through, I, I've shared with some, some divas, um, but I've gone through a very difficult um, time in my life. Uh, this summer, my, my oldest son, um, right after prom, was diagnosed with a tumor on his pancreas. And 18 years, he, just before his 18th birthday, was the, the day after his 18th birthday, he went for major surgery and was in the hospital for a week and had, a, you know, we had a difficult two weeks post-recovery and, and beyond. And actually today we're, we're headed down to the, to Mass General to, um, to do a follow-up on, get the results of this, his last CT scan. So you know, there's been a lot of stress in my life, and there was a period, you know, a couple of weeks I couldn't exercise, um, mm -hmm. just because I it, it just didn't have the time. I was with him all the time, but I, I'll tell you what I could do is I could make the right choices of what to put in my mouth, you know, um, it's so that I could be present for him. And as soon as I was able to have time to exercise, you know, it just makes such a tremendous difference in stress reduction. It does, it does, and I'm so sorry your family has been going through that. Oh, uh, well, there's definitely silver linings, as you mentioned. I mean, I, I can't say it's a blessing, but, you know, I've, I've spent some wonderful quality time with my son. We've had some great conversations, and I've, I really feel so close to him, and that's definitely a silver lining. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, exercise, I, I, you can't underestimate how it's such a good mood enhancer, and... You know, I think women, you know, lean and, and um, you know, classic PCOS have mood issues. And, and I think that probably ties in with some of the research that you've done on, you know, how hormones affects a person's behavior. Right, right. And, um, and as you were saying, I just want to go back to something with stress. You know, recently, um, 2018 has been a, a wonderful but crazed year. My husband came home from deployment. Um, we had a wedding two weeks later. I finished my dissertation, graduated with a PhD, and then we packed up the two of us um, and our dog and traveled across the country in order to make a cross-country move. And so we weren't able to exercise much either. 
Um, and just moving in general, especially driving 16, 20 hours a day is, is not fun. And so just making those healthy choices along the way or bringing healthy snacks and trying to get those 10,000 steps, even if that's all you can do mm-hmm. or whatnot, um, that has been kind of a, a mental health saver for mm-hmm. me a little bit um, because of those mood issues, a stress reliever. Um, but yeah, I know I definitely struggle with with mood issues and it's it's not to say that oh crazy woman it's just meant to say a mood issue doesn't mean crazy angry it doesn't mean anything like that it can mean that you struggle with depression or anxiety even if it's not clinically diagnosed um and that's really my area of expertise or uh, mental health issues um but hormones and hormones that are that are off that are not at normal range can really affect um, a woman and a man's, but specifically a woman's um, PCOS and or the mental health issues because depression and anxiety are absolutely, absolutely linked with PCOS. Yeah, and I, and I think that um, the mainstream, the medical community may have not really um, come on board with that, I guess, or maybe not come, that's probably not the right terminology, but they're just not aware of the, the mood issues and that women with PCOS should be screened for, you know, depression, anxiety, and not to throw eating disorders in with that, but it's, it's um, you know, I, I think, yeah, it, it's something else that I don't think is on the radar of a lot of mainstream medical and, and women with PCOS need to be screened for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I've um, spoken to some women with PCOS who do have a struggle in the past with eating disorders, and a lot of that is linked to anxieties, and they feel like all they can control is their food intake. And so when a lot of times doctors will say, maybe try cutting out gluten or try cl- cutting out dairy or things like that to try to help some symptoms, um, sometimes that's hard for women who have a past with eating disorders, so um, with cutting out a, a whole food group right. or so I think being careful of that as well and being mindful of your own mental health and working with your doctor to, to come up with a plan that works for you. But um, it, for me, I know that when I'm not taking care of my body, um, my mental health really, really does um, take a turn for the worst. And I've never been clinically diagnosed with anything, thank goodness. Um, but there is a term that we call in psychology a subclinical. So it means Mm -hmm. you're still able to go through with your activities of daily living, but you, um, but you still struggle with these issues. Mm -hmm. It's it's that fog that goes over you. Mm -hmm. uh, Like you see in commercials that you see um, people holding up masks to their face, but they're still able to go to work and get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know that like during this last, this summer and, and what we've been going, going through, I'm, I'm going to write a, um, a blog about this and what's worked for me because I've dealt with a lot of anxiety, not knowing, you know, what would happen, um, the outcome of, you know, my son's health. And, and, you know, I, I've, I feel like I've had some, I have some good tools in my toolkit now to be able to manage that anxiety, um, and those low level feelings. And I think that that, um, you know, for a lot of us with sort of that subclinical, um, you know, we need to have these tools in our toolkit to kind of help us. Yeah. And if a a lot of people do learn what works for them, Mm -hmm. but there is nothing wrong with seeking out professional help. Absolutely. Um, It's absolutely one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things to hear when people say that Mm -hmm. they 
have been or are actively going to therapy. I love mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. You go to a doctor when you aren't feeling great, when you're under the weather. So you go to a, you should be. That's a great point. Yeah. When you aren't feeling great mentally. Mm -hmm. so, so two things that I wrote down in, in your, our conversation, um, kind of getting back to the food and the, the, um, you know, the way that you view food, you had said something that I thought was beautiful in the beginning about how you give yourself some grace when you have, you know, like a delicious warm piece of bread and butter or whatever, like, you know what, that, that's like, instead of beating yourself up for it, giving yourself some grace, I was wondering if you could kind of expand on that for us. Yeah, um, so I, I always say that, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just worth it. Um, mm -hmm. But I use that carefully. And um, I know that if I am purposefully eating something that I know I'm going to have some sort of symptom. One, I'm not allowed to complain because I'm doing it to myself. And two, I give myself some grace. It's okay. I will get back on the horse right away. Not tomorrow. Get back right on the horse right then. Mm -hmm. Don't beat myself up. I don't beat myself up over it. I enjoy the moment. I savor it. And I continue on. Um, and that's that. And I, I think a lot of women um, beat themselves up over, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I ate two slices of pizza today or something. Okay, great. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Continue and move on and know that you'd feel better when you don't eat those two slices of pizza and you just continue on and do your best. Um, so I, that philosophy's really worked for me and that's how I, I stopped beating myself up over it. I stopped viewing exercise as um, trying to work off the chocolate I ate. Um, that's my, that's my real guilty pleasure is some chocolate. But Like as a form of punishment rather than a form of pleasure. <laughs> Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I, I had to find, this is what I tell a lot of women, I had to find a workout that I enjoyed. If I don't enjoy the workout, I'm either not going to do it or it's going to be a punishment for me. Mm -hmm. So um, if I don't feel like going for a run, but I know I should, but I don't feel like going for a run, then I'll maybe do yoga or weights or something else that I feel like doing because then I'll do it longer and I'll get more mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So that's how I try it. I try really hard to have that outlook on food and exercise as well. Am I perfect at it? No, but I do try my best. So, and I hope other women find that helpful too. Yeah. And, and let's, let's talk about sort of that, that um, perfectionism, which we, before the, before we, I hit record, we we're kind of talking about this um, offline. And I know that you've kind of feel like sensed this, um, in your PCOS community, but um, I certainly, in, in the, gosh, 10 years or so that I've been coaching and doing online programs, and even just myself, I find that most women with PCOS are, are perfectionists or recovering perfectionists. You know, I think um, we're, we're and, and I'm wondering what your um, professional opinion is of this, you know, considering that you're, you kind of study hormones and how it affects a person's behavior. Um, but I do find a lot of women with PCOS are, are kind of driven and um, 
type A and don't allow themselves a lot of grace because they expect for perfection of themselves. And I wonder, do you think that that's like an androgen-driven behavior? Oh, at least partially, yes. Mm-hmm. I am a self-proclaimed control freak. So I am, <laughs> first step is admitting it, right? And um, I just know in myself, I get stressed out so much easily than so much more easily than the average person. Um, So I've learned I have to take a step back, take a few breaths, count to 10 and whatnot. Um, But yes, the women I've talked to, so many of them struggle with, um, you know, the flip side of anxiety is also just stress. You get anxious about something, you get stressed out then about something. Um, And a lot of times that fuse is a lot shorter, so you get there a lot quicker um, than the average woman. And I think what's the only nice thing is that women can finally be like, okay, I'm not the only one that's like this. And then you can start to try to work on it. But I have definitely noticed that, um, especially with the androgen excess, um, increased testosterone, increased DHEA mm-hmm. and DAS. So it's, it's really fascinating to see how hormones affect the body. And of course, it's not just hormones. Um, it's epigenetic. So it's environment and the hormones. So if you're in an environment that is already higher stress, you have a job that's higher stress, or, um, or even if you're a stay-at-home mom and you have a lot of kids and have a lot of activities going on, that's, that's a lot going on. That's a lot of stress. Um, and so finding what works for you either in the moment to lower that stress when you you can just feel the hormones bubbling up sometimes um finding what works for you as well as um again seeking professional help if you need it yeah and i think for me too it was learning to be able to say no (laughs) Um, yeah and take things off my plate um to give myself more time to relax. <laughs> um, selfish for doing that. Because yeah. If isn't full, you cannot fill up anybody else. Right, absolutely. And even this weekend, I had a lot of, um, you know, my house is kind of in disarray since I haven't been able to pay too much attention to it. And I was like, I'm going to clean the whole thing. I'm going to organize. I had all these expectations for myself. But then on Sunday, I was like, you know what? I think I just want to sit in the sun and read. <laughs> and allow myself some some grace to do that so i did i sat like in, on the hammock and and just read and relaxed and let the laundry go and um you know everything else go so that i could have time um to relax and renew i know i and my, my motto lately has been you know that uh, um what is it a sunday well spent brings a week of content yes <laughs> I completely understand that motto. We are in the middle of a move. We are not even in our own house yet. Um, We are staying at a friend's house right now. And so I've had to learn that why stress out about something when you truly cannot control it, Mm -hmm. truly cannot control the outcome. I can't control when the movers get here. They will get here when they get here with our stuff. So we were living out of suitcases until then. Um, I can't control when we get the keys back to our house. So, um, I've had to learn what is even worth stressing out about. Is mm-hmm. this worth getting riled up about? Um, so just taking the taking ten seconds even to to think of the 
the situation and decide if it's even worth getting stressed out about and because it takes a lot of energy to get yeah that. that's that, that's great advice and I think just being able to um oh gosh the control thing is is difficult for me too but to relax into the flow of life <laughs> mm-hmm. is something else that I've had to to try to to do surrender you know that that's another word that feels good to me but it's hard to do <laughs> yeah yeah I know uh, and everyone has their own different traditions and routines and so sometimes for me it's when I know I need alone time I try to wake up early before my husband or I know some other women try to wake up before their kids and just even have 30 yeah. minutes to a full cup of coffee or something right um, we just have the 30 minutes of quiet time that they may need to start their day on more of a peaceful note um, mm-hmm. instead of a stressful note. So um, it, it's different for everybody, but finding whatever works for you in order to, to not let your hormones get the best of you, to not let your, your mental health issues get the best of you. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody finds something different, but for me, it's taking a few steps back and realizing, can I, what aspects of this can I control and what can I not control? And is it worth getting spun up about? Yeah, yeah, because you're right, it takes a lot of energy. Um, Well, speaking about what works for you, I did jot down, I I know that there's so many ladies out there struggling with acne, and if you had any, I know this has been part of your your struggle, and, um, you know, I'm looking at you right now, um, and you look gorgeous, and your skin's radiant, no, it really is. (laughs) Pregnancy's a whole other ballgame, too. (laughs) uh, Well, do you have any tips um, yes. So truly, I cannot stress enough. The gluten and dairy has really helped. And especially when I eat too much dairy, um, my acne comes back in full force. Um, and just for full disclosure, I get it on my chest. I get it on my back, my face. Um, so it's, it's, um, not cute. Uh, and so I was really worried about that, you know, when I got married and in a wedding dress, I didn't want to hide. Um, so finding the root cause of the problem and, and taking something that really calmed my adrenals is mm-hmm. what worked best. Um, but for any listeners out there, don't take anything that calms your adrenals. If you don't have adrenal problems, that can cause more issues for you. Um, but I also started using, um, I started using a, an individualized cream that I just get from, um, an, honestly, an online doctor. And um, able to just give me an individualized prescription cream that I put on every night. So between the individualized prescription cream that I get, as well as um, the food, oh my goodness, I've seen such a difference. And when we were sitting in a car for a week straight, and I wasn't able to exercise, it was more difficult to eat well, I noticed an increase in my, increase in my acne completely. Um, as well as using uh, makeup products that don't clog pores and that are more natural as well. So it don't have a lot of harsh chemicals in it. So um, I know there are a lot of brands out there that are pretty good for those purposes that are more natural. So those things. And it's, in, it's just fascinating how my confidence has just gone much, much higher. Um, you don't realize how much your self-esteem is tied into how you look or whatnot. And it sounds really vain to do that, but um, there's 
women are beautiful, no matter what they struggle with or look like women are beautiful. Um, but I know that it's hard to believe that when you're talking about yourself. And so sometimes even just clearing up scars or acne um, can increase confidence in how you feel so much. So diet, exercise, um, and having an individualized um, prescription cream, honestly. And so I, I wish I could say it was just yeah. diet and exercise. And um, while that was honestly probably 80% of it, um, the other 20% really was just, I had to turn to prescription and that's okay. Again, I had to learn that that's okay. Yeah, no, yeah, you got to give yourself grace for that too. <laughs> exactly. So, but I try really hard to not, um, not take antibiotics for it. Um, can only be on that for so long. So, but yeah, because when I came off birth control, it definitely came back with a vengeance. Yeah, that's, it, it's tough now. Um, I've been following and I, I interviewed um, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Um, she's, and she's coming out with a book about post-birth control syndrome. And, um, and yeah, you know, it really wreaks havoc with our systems and, you know, acne can rear its ugly head again. Well, after, you know, because of how our hormones have been suppressed, but. Um, yes, I have many thoughts on that. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just, I was just wanting, um, cause we're going to have to wrap it up here, but you've given us some great um, tips, you know, from your journey. I just, is there anything else, you know, that you want to um, kind of leave the listen, our listeners with um, maybe a message of hope for somebody listening that's really struggling with PCOS? Um, I can't stress enough how important it is, um, at least in my journey, how important it was to, um, chart my cycles and start taking charge of my own fertility and reproductive system. And I wish, I wish someone had told me about this nine years ago when I started, mm. um, because I would have been able to, to forego the birth control. Um, if, if I had known about that, um, and that's for a whole other podcast, but, um, but know that it is possible it's absolutely possible to control your own hormones and, and find doctors out there who are willing to work with you mm-hmm. and not give you a Band-Aid. Um, mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to be your own advocate. Take charge of your own fertility and give yourself some grace when you eat that piece of really, really good bread or pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gr- great advice. And um, I'm just going to give a shout out to the OvoSense fertility monitor, which I think is a great tool. I wish I had that when I was looking to, um, I, I used, um, the Creighton model, which was wonderful. Um, yeah. Um, but it's hard to take that data to your traditional doctor that doesn't understand that tracking, um, where the OvoSense has, um, like plots your, um, points like on a chart that's just makes I think visually makes more sense to a doctor um so you can see like when you ovulated and um your cycle but I do agree with you it's so powerful and it really puts us back in the driver's seat exactly exactly (laughs) um 
yeah, the, the Creighton model is what's worked best for me. And mm -hmm. obviously that's what helped us achieve pregnancy. Yeah, yay. Well, congratulations again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm getting more active on it, but um, I do have, if anybody wants to follow me or find me on social media, I do have an Instagram account called Lean Sister. So Lean, C-Y-S-T-E-R, um, similar to my PCOS Diva article. So, um, and I would love to hear from anyone and everyone who has questions or comments or whatnot for me. So, Great. And we will post that in the show notes as well. Um, but Laura, thank you so much for, for coming on and, you know, we'll have to have you back and, and kind of dive in deeper with hormones and behavior um, yes. and some of the, you know, the professional work you do. I would love to. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little something that can help you along in your journey. For more information about PCOS and PCOS Diva products and programs, visit PCOSDiva.com. This podcast was sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS. It's my proven 21-day diet and lifestyle plan to help women with PCOS take back control of their health and resolve their symptoms. Healing PCOS offers you daily, small, manageable steps that help alleviate symptoms and control the inflammation, hormonal imbalance, and insulin resistance that underlie PCOS. The 21-day plan consists of a 21-day anti-inflammatory hormone-balancing meal plan, including meal prep and plan-ahead tips to make eating like a PCOS diva sustainable, 85 delicious recipes, daily lessons, and self-care exercises. I have helped tens of thousands of women with PCOS take back control over their health and their lives through lasting healing and sustainable lifestyle change. So whether you're newly diagnosed or have struggled a lifetime with PCOS, this book is for you. Find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold.